This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place the Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Right now that time, 8.13, you're tuned to WGNS on this Monday morning, today, March the 1st. And with us in studio this morning, Gib Backlund, who is retired from the Stones River Battlefield. And you are now, I guess, kind of a part of a new mission over the last couple of years. Well, I've, uh, good morning, Scott, by the way. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've been involved in a number of things. I'm still active in Rotary Club, but also... Uh, in the Friends of the Battlefield and, and connected also to the American Battlefield Trust, which is an organization uh, nationwide. They, ha- they work to preserve battlefield land all across the country. They've got, uh, worked in 24 states so far. And they have uh, just recently purchased the former General Electric property slash O'Reilly property on Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Uh, 42 acres, which they hope to add to the the battlefield. Now, I, I'm trying to oh, envision, I mean, I know where that is and everything, but is right. there still a building there on that property? Because there used to be a great big metal building, like a factory building, that I thought was torn down a few years back, but I'm not sure. Right. The General Electric factory closed some years ago, and the building, the factory itself was torn down. There remains one warehouse building and a fence around the property, but it's pretty much cleared off. It's a wide open piece of property, 42 acres that's adjacent to the National Park Service property. It is owned now by the American Battlefield Trust, which is a private nonprofit corporation. And they hope to uh, place an easement on the property and then turn it over to be managed ultimately by the National Park Service, although that will require an act of Congress. So if you're driving down Broad Street and you look to your right as you're headed towards Smyrna, uh, that is where the property is. It's right before Sloan's motorcycle, which would be on your left, but it's right before International Paper as well, or is it right? Right before International okay. Paper. If, you, if you're driving towards Smyrna on Broad Street and you pass through the intersection with Thompson Lane, the traffic signal. There's a BP gas station on the right, and then there's some additional property vacant on uh, on the right, and then the uh, GE property is the next piece. It's a pretty large piece of property. It's all grass right now for the most part. And that same road, that little access road, if you take a right on that roadway, it leads you back to part of Stones River Battlefield, which is along the Stones River itself. And then back there, there used to be an old house that used to sit right next to that property. I don't know if that house was ever part of the Civil War or used as a hospital in the Civil War, but that house was there for years, recently torn down, though. You have a, a long memory. Yeah, that, that I say recently was, torn down. It's like <laughs> 10 years recent, ago. <laughs> recently, maybe 20 years ago. Or 20 years ago. But, uh, yeah, that, that, is, that street is called Van Cleve Lane. And if you take a right on Van Cleve Lane from Broad Street, that will take you back to what 
we refer to as the Artillery Monument, which was, uh, which is on a piece of National Park Service property. It was originally constructed. That monument was constructed by the the railroad, the LNN, what, what became the LNN Railroad, in 1906, and it marked the location of the final. Uh, Confederate assault on the Union lines on the third day of the Battle of Stones River. So if this act of Congress occurs and they uh, allow for the Stones River battlefield to oversee this property that used to be GE, will it connect to and be all in one part of right there at the end of Van Cleve? Correct. Uh, initially, when the, when the battlefield was established, the the only area in that part of the battlefield that was set aside for the park service to operate was about six acres as I remember and it included that monument but gradually over time and especially 1987 and 1991 Congress passed bills uh, under the leadership of Bart Gordon former congressman Bart Gordon to add land to that section of the park and right now I think that the Park Service manages somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 acres there, and the GE property uh, will add 42, and then there's another tract that has recently been purchased by the, uh, well, it was purchased by the uh, American Battlefield Trust too, I believe, and has been transferred to the Park Service. So that'll be about 200 acres of land in that area. There's some trails there. It is a, a section of it is adjacent to the river, it's bounded by the Stones River, and so that you have access to the river at that point, and also access to the Stones River Greenway. Now, the purchase of this 42 acres, it was a little over $4 million. It, it was, from what I understand, one of the biggest grants ever given to purchase land, and that's unique in itself, I would think. Correct. The, the American Battlefield Trust uh, applied for grants from the uh, Tennessee Wars Commission. I, I believe uh, the Tennessee, Tennessee set aside money for battlefield preservation. And so a good bit of the money came from them from the state of Tennessee. And uh, also the American Battlefield Trust receives donations from individuals and corporations all over the country. And, and to date, around the country, they have set aside or preserved more than 53,000 acres of land. And at Stones River, they have uh, purchased around 73 acres, 74 acres. And so over a long period of time, beginning back in 1997, they bought a piece of property uh, in that artillery monument area that was about 23 acres. So they've been active here for a good time. Uh, they started up in Virginia and in Maryland, I believe, way back in the maybe even the late 80s. And they had, they've changed names several times. They were called Civil War Trust most recently uh, before they became the American Battlefield Trust because they focus on Civil War, particularly in Virginia. So they've actually set aside quite a bit of land in Virginia. But uh, in Tennessee now, they have preserved uh almost uh, 3,800 acres, quite a bit at Shiloh, at uh, Chattanooga, Davis Bridge, Fort Donaldson, Franklin, Jackson, Johnsonville, Spring Hill, Stones River. So a lot of, a lot of different areas in Tennessee, they, they've purchased land. Again with us this morning, Gib Backlund, and again, you are retired from the National Park Service, and uh, most recently, I guess, 
working at Stones River Battlefield. That was your last duty station, Correct. so to say? Correct. Now, I retired in 2016, I think, yeah. So just to backtrack a little bit with this particular property, the old GE plant, the uh, unique thing about it is that it was in the news a lot because of the fact that O'Reilly's Auto Parts came in. They bought that piece of property, and they were going to use it for a distribution center. And then local residents learned about that, and they, you know, they, they I guess they fought for the right to make sure that that doesn't happen, and instead this goes to what it should be, and that is part of the national park system and part of Stones River Battlefield because it is part of the battlefield site. Correct. It's a, it's a really long story. Uh, actually, we first started talking about the GE property back in 1992. Uh, shortly after I arrived here, the park had uh, begun the uh, general management planning process, and we looked at, at the battlefield and what, what was within the boundary and what was without the boundary and what was realistic to think about to acquire in order to help tell the story of the battle because the story is told on the, on the landscape. And so we actually looked at GE property back in 1992 but did not include it as a, an area to be acquired that we, we thought about in the general management plan because we didn't think it was feasible at that time nor uh, politically possible. But over time, with uh, GE going out of business uh, at that location, the uh, American Battlefield Trust actually attempted to buy it from them within the last 10 or 15 years, and uh, probably 10 years, and uh, GE didn't accept their offer, and then they sold to O'Reilly, and O'Reilly had hoped to build a distribution center and a, and a retail store on the site, and uh, the city asked them to hold a public meeting to inform the residents about it. It was held over at, uh, seems to me it was at the New Vision Church, and uh, the... Uh, a lot of citizens got up and spoke against it, mainly because of traffic concerns, I think, and, al and also preservation concerns. And so, so O'Reilly decided to sell uh, to the American Battlefield Trust. Now, all of this, the way it all transpired is somewhat fascinating because, you know, in a world of today, business often comes first, commercial business, that is. And mm -hmm. You look at O'Reilly's. It is a business that was a family business. It started as a family business, and then it grew exponentially, mm -hmm. and it's, I mean, they do great. Mm -hmm. How did they take the talks of those who are wanting to turn that land into Battlefield Park property? How did they, how did they take that, and what was their response initially? Well, I, uh, I attended that meeting, the public meeting, and... Uh, it was it was a good meeting. I mean, uh, they were very open to the comments that the citizens made, and uh, of course, they had a lot of internal deliberations that I don't know anything about, and, and none of us do. But they had they had talked with city planning staff and elected officials and everything, and and uh, I think they just decided that it really wasn't the best fit for them, and they ultimately decided to sell, and they built their distribution center. Uh, in Wilson County, I believe. Now, I don't know how much O'Reilly's initially purchased that property for, but right. we know how much, obviously, it sold for yeah. the second go-around. Do you know about how much they paid for it originally? 
if I remember correctly, it's very close to what they sold it for, but I, I can't say that, you know, for sure. So it sounds like they didn't make a huge profit. It sounds like they generally they, they cared about what the community thought. That's, it, yeah, I, I think uh, they realized that uh, they weren't. It would not have been the the best thing for them, and and they chose to go elsewhere. When you look at the Stones River Battle, and you look at all the areas around where the actual park is, there's a lot of land out there that is not owned by the National Park Service, and the battle took place on those lands as well. Do you foresee, you know, this trust making other purchases in the future here in Murfreesboro? Uh, uh, I think it's quite possible. Yeah, I think they're they're interested. You know, initially, as I mentioned, they started out in Virginia, but they uh, and they've done a lot of work at battlefields in Virginia. But they're expanding. In fact, they've expanded from beyond the uh, Civil War, and they're now purchasing uh, lands that might have been involved in the War of 1812, American Revolution. Uh, the, they've bought land in recently in Minnesota in the from the Dakota the Dakota War of 1862. So so they've even branched into some of the Indian Wars. Now, working all those years that you worked for the National Park Service, you've done a lot of traveling. You've done a lot mm -hmm. of traveling in the U.S. Yeah, and I'm sure you've explored a lot of national parks all over the country. Mm -hmm. How do how do they go about expanding? I mean, is it the same way we do here in Murfreesboro? Or, the settings totally different compared to what we see in Murphy's, bro. Right. Whenever you that's that's a that's a complicated question. I mean, there's a lot of different parks, and you know, it takes the interest of the people, local people. I think, oftentimes, if a park is expanded, if the boundaries expanded, it takes an effort on the part of the the local Congress person and the uh, U.S. Senate. I mean, it, since they're federal lands, it's. Uh, uh, if if local people have an interest in in such a thing, they contact their congressman and or congresswoman, and uh, ask them to to look at that sort of thing. And so, uh, if a if a local congressperson does not support a boundary expansion, oftentimes it may it, it's it's more difficult to happen. Now, how many years have you worked for the National Park Service before retirement? I started in 1975, and I retired in. 2016 about 40 about now 40 i'm trying years. to think was that towards the end of the era of ansel adams who used to travel to all the parks photographing all uh, the different scenes yeah i think he was still alive in in uh when i started and and you know really uh the national park service was established in 1916 and so it's only been around 100 years and i got to work for them for 40 so almost half and and it's you, you think about the people that you've gotten to meet and know over the years and and uh who were around way back it's it's it was a small organization it's larger now but uh you know when you work in in the national parks you get to know people all over the country through conferences and training and that sort of thing and uh so it's uh it's 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 kind of like a family organization in a way. I'm sure it was pretty interesting all those years. Yeah. And there's a lot of parks that have those who work for the National Park Service. They live within the park, which is right. important, I think, because it makes them feel more of a part of what they're doing there. Yeah, that, and that's especially true in the bigger parks, uh, particularly in areas that are not really populated you know, more in the west and, like and here and all that it yeah is interesting here at uh, stones river we had uh, three houses that were in the park built during mission 66 they were finished in 1963 
And so I lived in the park for a time, and, and many people did. And, and now uh, some of the volunteers and uh, interns and seasonal employees live in, in those houses. But, uh, yeah, I lived in parks uh, the, in my entire career until I moved out of the, the park housing here. You know, most of the general public out there, they go on trips, they travel through parks, and I'm sure half of them say, you know, wouldn't it be cool to live in this park? Right. And there's only a handful of people that ever have that opportunity yeah. to live in a park. There's pluses and minuses, of course. You know, it's like living at your job. But, <laughs> but in, you know, when you're younger, I mean, that that's fun. So, uh, Did you ever have a chance to live in some of those larger parks out west? I, I worked in Glacier seasonally, yeah. So I lived in Glacier National Park, you know, for a summer and a half. In Alaska? No, in Glacier in Montana, okay, okay. right on the Canadian border. And uh, I lived in the park at Mammoth Cave in Kentucky. So, and Cape Hatteras, North Carolina. What was the most interesting park that you worked at, or the most beautiful park that you worked at? Boy, that's a tough one. I tell you, I... Uh, I lived at Cape Hatteras for nine years, so I lived on the beach more or less for nine years, which was uh, not bad. You know, I moved here from there. You get, we got tired of hurricanes, but uh, it it was an amazing landscape and 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 beautiful in its own way. Uh, Glacier in Montana was pretty incredible. Uh, the hardwood forest, Mammoth Cave, is is pretty neat too. I mean. Uh, the Green River flows through the middle of the park, and you can uh, boat or canoe on, on the Green River and at Mammoth Cave, as, as well as, you know, crawling around inside the cave. You could hike on the trails and, and do things outside as well. Again, Gib Backlund with us this morning, and he is retired from the National Park Service. His last post was at the Stones River National Battlefield. We've been talking a little bit this morning about the property that was just secured and uh, Gib, again, that's the old GE property, and now it's going to go to Congress, I guess, to approve for that to be part of the national park system. Right. Well, what will happen is the American Battlefield Trust will, they own it, and they will have an easement on it that the state will, the, since the state donated money for the, or granted money for the purchase, they will place an easement on it that will uh, say that it needs to be managed as a battlefield. And then uh, American Battlefield Trust will try to find somebody to manage it for them until such time as the Congress passes a boundary expansion bill. Now, does Congress ever say, you know, no, we don't want this as part of our park system? I mean, does that, that happen? That is possible. And, and in, in those kinds of cases, uh, there might be another nonprofit entity that... Uh, manages the property for example uh, i think that the land trust for tennessee i'm not saying that they're going to be involved but the land trust for tennessee manages properties takes care of property that's uh, been donated or they've purchased there's a uh, 10 tennessee parks and greenways foundation or 10 green i believe it's called now uh, they have purchased a lot of land conservation land primarily natural areas around the state and they manage some property, though ultimately they like to turn it over for state park management. So there's a lot of different ways that, that land can be managed. So whenever a purchase like this is made, and then the national parks uh, assume responsibility of it, if that should happen, what are some of the things that they would typically want to do to this land? I mean, first, I would guess tear down the warehouse building that's still there mm -hmm. and then bring it back to 
a more natural state what it may have looked like back then right i think i think what would you know i think the ideal situation would be for uh whoever to do a little planning to determine what is the best way to to manage it and that that takes a little thinking i mean you have to think about access and and how are you going to get people to see the property how are you going to tell the story on the land with a exhibits or or whatever you might choose uh, how to restore the landscape to what it was i mean you need want to do some research to de- determine what what the land looked like was it open field was it wooded was it, you know what what was the landscape like i'm sure it's it's been leveled compared to what it was you know for the construction so we don't know exactly what the topography was but uh what what the park has done in other areas is to if it was farmland we farmed it at one point we had a special use permit farmer who would farm but that became impractical after time and so what we did was restore open fields to native grass native vegetation which doesn't require as much maintenance as as a mowed lawn for example and so uh you know the park has prescribed fire now and then and that's to help maintain those native grass fields now if you were to go back to the 1800s during the stones river battle mm-hmm. from what i have read and understood that area the stones river at the end of van cleave that was one of the more bloody or deadly sites of the battle and supposedly the river flowed red with blood because of those who were shot and killed right there at the Stones River. Right. That was the final assault on the on the last day of the battle, 4 o'clock on January 2nd in the afternoon. The Confederates, uh, the commanding general, ordered the Confederate wing to attack the Union Army, and, and the commander over there didn't want to. He delayed it until 4 o'clock because he knew it would not be successful. The Union Army had lined up 57 cannon, and as the Confederates came toward the river, uh, they just got clobbered. And there are, you know, accounts of, you know, Stones River ran red. There's even a book titled that, I think. But uh, it's, uh, it was 1,800 casualties in, uh, in an hour. That is killed, wounded, and captured 1,800 people. That, that's amazing. <clears throat> that's scary. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's hard to envision yeah. that many. We can't, we can't imagine, I don't think. I mean, we can... Maybe with a movie, you can kind of get a sense of it. But uh. So do they know for sure where the Confederates coming from? I guess if you were to look at River Bend, Riverview subdivision, were they coming from that side of the river correct. towards towards the battlefield? To, yeah, correct. So I wonder, I, I guess the Union would have been camped out on that GE property at some point. Well, there were Union troops there, yeah. So the Union line extended all the way from the you know the artillery monument area all that the north end of the battlefield and you know the battle started down uh by the kroger on case and lane uh, you know that's the initial that's attack on area. the first day it's, it was about four thousand acres yeah the battle was fought over a large area so so kroger on case and lane that that would have been i guess one of the starting locations for the right that's where the confederates made their initial attack in the morning of uh, december 31st drove the Union line all the way up to Old Nashville Highway. And so the Union Army kind of folded like a pocket knife and uh, was kind of in a V-shape at that point. So extending north to the artillery monument and then to the uh, southeast toward Murfreesboro along Nashville Pike. 
that's hard to i mean you were saying it's hard to envision it's hard to imagine yeah uh, first of all the battlefield area it's so much bigger than what we see at the battlefield right. site and that makes it challenging to help to, to tell the story of the battlefield because uh the park service uses the landscape to tell the story as i mentioned you know and so what you want people to do is to be able to go out on the field and with the help of a wayside exhibit uh, which has a, a pictorial depiction of the battlefield at that location might be artistic it might be a painting or it might be a photograph if photographs are available historic photographs and and you look at the wayside exhibit and then you look up at the landscape and you can get a sense of what it was like and so when you're surrounded when a landscape is surrounded by tall buildings for example it's not yet but in in some cases there are some buildings but uh that makes it a little more challenging to tell the story so you have to you work with a lot of different media to tell the story people learn in different ways so there's uh there's an app that you can use and a, a cell phone tour and uh, brochures books the museum movie Again, Gib Backlund with us, retired from the National Park Service, most recently working at the Stones River Battlefield. It's just fascinating to imagine that right there where the Cason Lane Kroger is, Cason Lane and Old Fort Parkway or Franklin Road, there was a battle right there. And then I guess from that point, they moved towards the Stones River Battlefield where the actual park is. Correct. They would have gone down, well, right past Sam's Wholesale Club. Correct. Drove north. Uh, the armies, uh, the Confederate Army, drove the Union Army north all the way, almost three miles, uh, and, to and, Old Nashville Highway. And of course, there was some history lost over those years, mm -hmm. obviously from commercial businesses, apartment complexes. But one in particular was right there on Gresham Lane, where John Rice met Gresham Lane. And that was an old Civil War era home. It was white, right. and it was actually used as a hospital Correct. during the Civil War. Yeah, I, I and I'm trying to think if that was uh, which house you, you mean. Um, there are a number of houses that have been lost over the years, uh, including um, the Jenkins House, which was is right there at the interchange of Medical Center Parkway and I-24, I believe. It's on the other side of I-24. Uh, so... And, and numerous others, so there aren't any really many buildings within, no no houses within the Park Service property. Are there any houses out there, maybe on Asbury Lane, that this trust would maybe help organ, organize a way to purchase? Uh, it's, that would be possible. It, it would depend on, you know, somebody be, being willing to sell and the, and the trust uh Determining whether or not it would be practical for them to purchase such a property. I, I mean, I think I think they have looked at a lot of different options. They bought uh, on Old Nashville Highway. They bought a number of properties. Uh, one, two, three, about about three different properties on Old Nashville. Small pieces, uh, tenth of an acre in one case. Uh, which is adjacent to Park Service property. So it's much easier for the Park Service to manage a property if it's contiguous with its other properties. Now, currently, Stones River Battlefield, the, the park system part of Stones River Battlefield, they do not oversee or own any actual homes. 
that could be opened up as museums at this point. That's correct. So if they were to have one, I guess it would, again, if it was purchased outside of the parks, it'd have to go before Congress in order to get them to approve or not approve actually acquiring it and overseeing it. And I guess they look at it differently if it's a house because it's going to have to be managed differently. They'll have to be, well, they'll have to have staff in there to give tours. Correct. It'd be more expensive, I guess. Yeah, uh, <laughs> buildings cost a little more to maintain than, than just a piece of landscape, you know, oftentimes. Not always, but, you know, generally a, a, a structure adds cost. So I guess that would be looked at totally different. And so I don't, you know, I don't know if it would ever happen, but wouldn't yeah. it be pretty neat to have that? within the battlefield it would be it would help tell the story i think if there were some of the actual houses that were used as hospitals or headquarters sites during the course of the battle but again you know many of them have been torn down and and any that remain are somewhat remote from the the battlefield are people still finding old you know civil war era cannonballs and uh, I think there's people out looking for stuff all the time. I, I see people uh, metal detecting over at uh, Central Magnet School, so I, I I don't know what they're looking for. But uh, was there but, anything over there? Was, was the battle uh, over there? Uh, well, there you know there were Union and Confederate troops in Murfreesboro during the Civil War. Uh, Forrest Murfreesboro raid was you know July 13th, 1862, and so the courthouse and Oakland's mansion all were uh, involved in that in that skirmish but i guess a, a lot of the big finds have occurred really around the area of where the stone river battlefield park is located i think you know the people who who are interested in that sort of thing have have looked at the maps and they know where battle action took place and so they know where to look yeah i never would have guessed though the kroger on case and lane i mean that one that was yeah. new to me when you said that I, yeah. I, i'm not i was well, not familiar you know if you uh i don't know if it's still there it might it might have been replaced but but when uh Franklin Road was widened, uh, there was a Tennessee Historical Commission marker, you know, one of those silver cast aluminum markers with the black letters out there that marked the start of the Battle of Stones River. And when they widened the road, it came down, but it may be back up. I, I can't say for sure, but it there's several historical Tennessee Historical Commission markers around that mark the locations of, of battle action. So that one that you're talking about would have been on Highway 96 near Cason Lane. Correct. Uh, would it have been in the grass or, or it was right time? on the shoulder of the highway yeah okay I, I, that's interesting that, you know in 1992 when i came here that was that was country yeah <laughs> you know it, it's changed a lot over the years yeah. for sure oh yeah and i guess well back in 92 that sam's wholesale club wasn't there that apartment complex was not there i mean really it was just land yeah it was just it was as i remember farmland i mean even the the target and was not there that was farmland uh, Manson Pike was farmland, uh, you know, so it's, it's hard to picture what, what it was like. You know, Thompson Lane wasn't there. Uh, there was uh, the house uh, right nearby that got moved. It was right where Thompson Lane is now, but on Old Nashville Highway, it got moved. It was uh, uh, the county commissioner's home. The, the bridge is named for His name is slipping my mind right now. Uh, I, I can't really envision that one but yeah. it's interesting because back in 92 thompson lane ended at broad street and then oh well, it didn't ex well yeah north on and it, it went north from broad street to around to the va and yeah. then eventually the bridge the massive bridge right there 
I think that was built in 94. So when that was mm-hmm. built, it, it allowed or gave way to businesses being, you know, from there all the way out to Old Fort Parkway. Correct. And, and for the first time, you saw growth in that direction, which nobody ever, I think, really envisioned at the time. Right. Uh, but once that was built, before long, there was a church out there, and then there was uh-huh. a, a YMCA at one point, you know? I, I mean, it just grew right. so fast, it right. seems like, after that extension of Thompson Lane took place. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. I mean, when you build a road, I mean, it creates opportunities for all kinds of businesses or residential or you know, industrial uses. The unique thing, though, about that road, it literally cut right through the battlefield. You know, some of the property at that time owned by the National Park Service, other property not owned by the Park Service, but it cut right through the battlefield site. The historic battlefield, yeah, correct. And and now you see right next to New Vision Baptist Church, you see, uh, I guess, mock-ups or displays of cannons uh, firing right. towards the battlefield site. Um, and all of that has, well, the cannons, they were added over the last few years, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The, we started buying those uh, weathering steel silhouette cannons because they're much cheaper than the real thing. <laughs> and they help represent, you know, where the, the battle lines were. And I just got a text from uh, Mike Lyles uh, reminding me that it was Homer Gannon who lived there. And so it's the, the bridge is called the Cowan Gannon Bridge or the Gannon Cowan Bridge because the Cowan House was a Civil War era house that was in that location that was burned by the Confederates in order to make uh, passage through that area easier. So again, going back to what we started with this morning, the piece of property that used to be GE that was acquired, purchased from O'Reilly's and now this property is in the hands of exactly who? Of the American Battlefield Trust. They, they closed on the sale, I can't, I can't give you the exact date, but within the last couple of months. And so they are now the owners and they are working, they will work with the state to have, have the easement placed on the deed. And then once the easement is on the deed, then they will uh, work to make sure that it's managed uh, according to those the easement so while this property is in the hands of the trust who's going to be managing taking care of the property up until congress either approves or doesn't approve this land going to the actual stones river battlefield well we're not sure yet how that's going to work out uh uh, we're looking at it i mean for the initially what it'll require is that it be mowed several times a year and so that's the the bare minimum that has to be done but then in order to make it accessible the building will have to come down and the chain link fence around it and so uh, some folks are looking at ways of selling the building perhaps and then I think the uh, the fence would probably go to scrap that's a lot of fence it's a lot of fence do you need chain link fence <laughs> I don't think I need 42 acres worth because <laughs> if I remember it goes all the way around almost the entire 42 I, acres yeah pretty close uh-huh and there's a small concrete drive that goes into what I guess used to be the area of GE but is there access road access that can be used from Broad Street and if so it seems like that would make a great entrance for the what you know at the end of Van Cleve well that would uh yeah, that would take some planning and some, you know, spending some money to develop parking. But there is uh, parking at the Artillery Monument and a trail that 
goes almost all the way to the GE property now. It's a mowed trail. It's a, a grass trail. And so uh, that trail could be extended into the GE or the former GE property. And uh, exhibits could be put on the ground so that people could uh, help people understand what happened there. So it's, uh, it's a little ways off before it'll be open. To, you know, it's going to take some time to to find a buyer for that building and, and then to, to remove it and then to remove the fence and develop a trail. So I, I suspect it'll be, you know, maybe next year or before there's access to it. Again, Gib Backlund with us this morning. We are going to take a short break. Uh, we will be right back, though, in just a couple of minutes. Again, you're tuned in to WGNS Radio on the air since 1947. As cold and flu season approaches, one of the best things that you can do to give somebody who is sick is a quart of Demas's chicken and rice soup. This is Peter Demas with Demas Family of Restaurants. This soup is my grandmother's recipe, and we have used this soup in order to help our family whenever we are sick. Just gives us a good comfort feeling. One of the things that you can also do is you can now ship that soup anywhere across the United States, and you can order that soup online at demasfamilykitchen.com. If I could talk to the animals. At Animal City, we're pet lovers and pet parents too. So we keep our store stocked with a variety of items to help you and your pets have a better day. This is Amanda at Animal City, inviting your family to come do business with my family. We have an extensive selection of quality products to delight pets of most species and the people who love them. We are happy to put our 30 years of pet experience to work for you. Animal City is at 919 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website, Analexa, or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Family Staffing Solutions is proud of our local veterans. I'm Becky Bookner, and as life challenges appear, talk with Family Staffing Solutions about how we can help you stay at home. Call Family Staffing Solutions. Family Staffing Solutions. WGNS proudly salutes and remembers our U.S. veterans who have served our country. In this salute, we talk to a veteran who fought in the Vietnam War. A typical day, you take off and you'd go to 10 to 20 different bases. James Deck was an officer in the U.S. Air Force, known by friends and family as J.D. We didn't own the ground a mile off the end of the runway. So we'd be one mile in the air, one mile after touchdown, and if you dropped the nose, you'd miss the whole runway. We had to pull up the nose, pull the power back, and fall, basically a stall, and then bad power to land. And we're doing this every day. James Deck flew a C-130 in Vietnam. And then one day, our president decided we needed to prove that we could do night cargo. Well, there's no instruments over there. I think there was three VFRs. So they picked out A, B, C, and D, four towns, for us to move cargo at night. Well, we're smart enough to mark the cargo. Nobody ever used that cargo. Same cargo we went from A to B, the next night went from B to C, went to C to D, and back. And it never was used. We were pawns out there getting shot at at night for nothing. And you ask what I thought of the president. I can't say it on the air. He tried every way in the way to kill us without knowing he was doing that. This has been a salute to veterans on WGNS Radio. If you know a veteran you'd like to highlight, let WGNS know, and we'll honor them in our daily salute to veterans. 
Have you experienced the nightmare of water, mold, or fire damage? Call Restoration One for a free estimate. Veteran and locally owned, fast and available 24-7. Restoration One offers preventative maintenance so that you never have to experience a loss like this again. Restoration One, the water damage experts. Old friends, new name, better together. As First National Bank of Murfreesboro transforms into Capstar Bank, our focus is on you. We're entering a new generation of banking in Rutherford County, but we'll always remain a community bank with local people you trust and uniquely exceptional service you deserve. We're at 2230 Mercury Boulevard, capstar.com. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Mostly cloudy skies here for this afternoon with temperatures holding rather steady. Winds out of the north at 5 to 15 miles per hour. Tonight, mostly cloudy, low near 33. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 45. Good morning. It's been quite busy out here as they continue to work this accident on 24 eastbound here at Shelbyville Highway. It's a lot of rubbernecking going on. It's really been slow because of this crash here in this part of Rutherford County on 24 eastbound. Again, here at Hobby 231 Shelbyville Highway. Hey, check out the Andre Chicken Sandwich now available at Princess Hot Chicken, 5814 Nolensville Pie. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. When the weather's at its worst, we're at our best. Talk Radio WGNS, Murfreesboro, FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, TV 11. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSradio.com. We're Rutherford County's place to talk. Right now that time, 8.55, you're tuned in to WGNS. On this Monday morning, Gib Backlund with us, retired from the National Park Service, and he's been talking about the 42-acre purchase of what used to be GE on Broad Street at Van Cleve, and, and that property was once again purchased by the American Battlefield Trust from O'Reilly's, and it was one of the biggest grants that really has ever been approved through the American Battlefield Trust. In Tennessee, yeah, the ten- state of Tennessee granted money to the American Battlefield Trust. So it was the largest grant uh, awarded by the Tennessee Historical Commission, Wars Commission. Over $4 uh, million. Dollars. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know how much their, their grant was. I mean, the trust got money from a variety of sources, but that was one. Uh, interesting point about the, the battlefield and, and how, uh, how people use it. You know, during the last year, <clears throat> With uh, the pandemic, uh, the visitor center was closed for a couple of months, I believe, and is still not open seven days a week. But nonetheless, during uh, 2020, the battlefield visitation was at a record high uh, based on traffic counter numbers. So people have been out walking and running and biking in the battlefield in bigger numbers than ever. And so that it, it kind of highlights the, the value of of parkland uh, people. National parks all around the country, in fact, have had large visitation increases in the last year. You know, I, I definitely went to the parks more over 2020 during COVID because there wasn't as much to do for one. Right. Uh, but being outside, it was easy to do the whole social distance dance and, and all right. of that good stuff. Right. Uh, so I think a lot of people probably thought the same. Yeah. And me too. I, I live downtown and I 
rode bike all over downtown all the time and and I've been walking now that the weather's been bad but uh, I've spent more time outside in the last year than I think uh, in previous years. Now this 42 acre GE property that was recently acquired uh, local residents also put money into some of that property. I don't know if they put money in through the trust itself or how Mm -hmm. they went about doing it but there were so many local residents who were for this purchase. Right. I, well, the American Battlefield Trust takes donations from people all over. The Friends of the Stones River Battlefield donated money to them, and individuals have donated money to them. I, I donated money to the American Battlefield Trust. So uh, it's easy to do. You know, their website's simple. It's battlefields.org. And uh, uh, they're looking for donations for land all over the country. And, they, and they've done a really great job of preserving battlefield land. We only have about two minutes or so left in this morning's show, but this property is now, I don't know, the, the future of it is somewhat up in, up in the air because we don't know yet if Stones River Battlefield is going to oversee that in the near future or who's going to oversee it just yet. That's correct, but no matter who does, I think it'll be managed in concert with the, the battlefield and so that the, the boundary will be seamless, that is, uh, you know, whoever takes on the, the task of, of taking care of the property, uh, the easement that's going to be placed on it will require that it be managed to, to resemble a battlefield. So now that it has been purchased by the American Battlefield Trust, is there ever a chance of this going back to commercial property? I, I think not. I think the easement will, will prevent that. So it will hopefully always be park of some sort correct uh but very interesting stuff yeah uh we are pretty much out of time got a minute and a half left but give back backland with us this morning thank you for joining us and if anybody wants to get involved in the parks here locally what should they do well uh you could join the friends of stones river national battlefield uh that's a local organization that supports uh the the park i think there is a friends of the greenway organization uh, for the Stones River Greenway. It's managed by the city. Uh, there is the American Battlefield Trust, Tennessee, uh, <coughs> land, land Trust for Tennessee. All of those organizations are involved in land preservation and parkland preservation, Tennessee Parks and Greenway Foundation. So lots of, lots of ways to, to support uh, parkland. Again, Gib Backlund with us, retired from the National Park Service. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for having me, Scott. Time right now, 9 o'clock, local news comes your way next, followed by news around the country and around the world with CBS. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's Place to Talk.